welcome everybody to Packed Up. My name is Kenji Ito, and I am alongside my partner in crime, Jacob Jones. How are you doing today, Jacob? Good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good myself, but, you know, we got to talk about what happened in the Pac-12 because it was a pretty crazy week, and there were blowouts fans were expecting, but not as high scoring, Mm -hmm. Utah and Oregon included. Yeah. But, you know... We're all about the news. Let's just jump right into it. First off, at the school that we're currently at, Walter Cronkite School at ASU. So, first topic is senior golfer David Pooj leaves to make debut at Live Golf Tournament. As he, like, was one of the, like, great upperclassmen ASU had, like, how does this, like, naturally affect their team? Well, I think it also, <clears throat> I think in partial way, I think it helps the team mm-hmm. of you have a senior golfer who was getting ready to leave either way but he leaves early to go perform in a national tournament a national golf tournament yeah so like i was saying last week with um our uh, new goal record holder mm-hmm. for uh, asu women's soccer it, it just helps out the cause even more if you're asu right yeah exactly so having a guy going out to perform nationally i mean everything helps asu at this point Mm-hmm. If you have people and athletes going out to perform at the Olympics or you have athletes going out to perform at and the Super Bowl or the finals, everything helps. So, and so I think I think it's really going to help ASU. ASU, you know, maybe they'll get a boost in recruiting. Oh, we can send players to the Masters. You know, we had Phil Mickelson back in the, the 80s and 90s, right? Mm-hmm. So I think everything, like I was saying last week, everything helps, especially when you have guys going professionally. That's That's huge. Yeah, uh, ab- absolutely. Like, but like, here's the main thing: is that when you're in the sports industry, you gotta you gotta take your money. You know, like, he, like the prize I think for this tournament is like twenty five like million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So, you like when you're young, Tiger did the same thing. He took his money and he built off success off that first tournament. You know, so like just try to make as much money as you can. So I think he made the right choice because like you know. Sports careers don't last forever. Yeah, maybe it's, and people debate, you know, whether or not mm-hmm. it's about money or if it's because of, uh, yeah, you know, who knows, right? It's it's the the kind of everlasting battle of like why, you know, you know why didn't he stay? And yeah. and with the NIL now and different sports, you know, you see it with athletes transferring back and forth to school to school. But you know, I think a lot of these athletes still have a big passion for the game, yeah. and especially you know for college athletes. And, you know, it has been about money and finance, and especially with, like I was saying, the NIL. But mm-hmm. y- you just never know. And so it's it'll be interesting to see how he does. And people go for money, but sports also has a, a really good way of yeah. helping people out, you know, helping families out. So everything, everything, everything helps out in that way. Yeah, and, he, you know, he was also, like, really excited to be a Sun Devil because, like, in his, like, goodbye message on Instagram, he wrote in the first thing, I could not be more grateful to be part of the Sun Devil family, especially to Coach Matt Thurman, who's a former ASU former ASU athlete, Coach Armin uh, Kira Kozin, and all my teammates. So he was genuinely glad to be here and compete for the Sun Devils. Yeah, and you love to, you love to see it. So it's mm-hmm. you know, has a true passion for it. You know, we— yeah, you know, everyone wishes them luck, and and hopefully it helps out the program any way it can. And but, you know, you're just you know you're just really rooting for them. And I think it's good for the Pac-12 too. Anyone that that goes out and from any school, you know, if someone goes out and wins a championship, it's good for the Pac-12. You know, everything helps out the Pac. And you know, Pac needs everything 
they, than they yeah. need right now. It, absolutely. But let, let, let's kind of switch gears to, like, the football side of ASU. So we as fans obviously see that the running game for ASU is especially strong with X Valadin. Mm-hmm. The passing game is a little uh, has a little bit of its struggles, but the main question about ASU is who is Emory Jones's favorite target for this like for the season other than X Valaday, you know? Like who do you think that is? Man, I'm I'm not really sure he's found one yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't seen, you know, I've seen you know a few guys come out and and perform, right? But yeah. ASU has been very dependent on the running game and be- been very dependent on Zabian Valade. And maybe that doesn't change throughout the year. Uh, we're just going to be a run-heavy team. And I, it's hard to judge Emory Jones right now because I haven't seen him uh, pass, you know. Almost never. I think, you know, he has a good, you know, you know, going to the Northern Arizona game. And, you know, he had a couple good balls and he can put the ball in the – hands of receivers like and and he can stay in the pocket and he has good pocket presence Mm -hmm. but there's just really no one that he's been been really targeting as of you know we've seen standard performances coming from a couple of our receivers but maybe it's a good you know maybe it's a good thing right now that he's not targeting someone right because if you're targeting someone i remember last year arizona state and jane daniels were targeting ricky pearsall a lot yeah and they were were covering ricky pearsall and we're targeting lv bunkley shelton Mm -hmm. and I don't think that, you know, and so I think the mindset for ASU is we have to switch up. And I think it's a good thing. I think so, but as the year is going to go on, ASU needs to find a reliable guy and mm. not someone that you're going to go to every play, right? Because, that, you know, it's, that's not efficient. It's not effective. But someone that you can really just depend on a 10-yard catch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I, I kind of I think the opposite, though. It because, you know, he's been targeting Giovanni Sanders, who wears number 20, and mm-hmm. Elijah Badger the most. Like, against Oklahoma State, Giovanni Sanders had 94 yards mm-hmm. and and almost a touchdown. I'm not sure if he scored one. And uh, I think Elijah Badger had 91 yards. So I think those are, like, the top two guys. And it's kind of like Jaden Daniels with Ricky Pearsall and uh, Bunkley Shelton, you know. And mm-hmm. those guys are obviously all gone now. Yeah. But we got to think in the present. So, like... If he can build a sustaining relationship with those two guys, I think that ASU is going to be ASU is going to be just fine. Like some people say five and seven, some people say six and six, including myself. Some people like you say seven and five, but like you know, maybe it is possible that if they get the offense rolling and the defense rolling at the same time, they can have a successful season. Other than those three records, you know. Yeah, and. It's hard to tell, right? You know, we played a very Arizona State played a very good game against Oklahoma, a good Oklahoma State team last mm-hmm. week, right? And yeah. so it's hard to really pinpoint of where ASU is right now. And ASU put up a good fight against Oklahoma State, and yeah. they were in it for a lot of the game. And you know, even coming out of halftime, ASU was, had a, was close. started a really good drive, yeah, and got exactly. down the field in two minutes, I think, if I remember correctly, right? Mm-hmm. And so ASU has that potential to really push. But one thing I saw from ASU that a lot of people were complaining about is that we just couldn't sustain drives mm-hmm. and that Oklahoma yeah. State was reading them very well. Yeah. ASU was, as I was saying before, they're a very run-heavy team. But, you know, you're running – Arizona State is running the ball every play now. Yeah, it's getting – 
kind of ridiculous. And so Oklahoma State defenders are already in the backfield. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see someone like Emory Jones hold on to the ball, yeah. you know, work with his receivers and running backs on that option play. Because Emory Jones is a very good runner. Yeah. We saw that against NAU, right? And so I just, I'd, I'd like to see a little more out of ASU in terms of, you know, not being so predictable. Because yeah. when we start playing, because when Arizona State starts playing USC and yeah. Utah, you know, you know, those guys are going to be, you know, they're top 25 nationally ranked teams. Mm-hmm. And so Arizona State's going to have to create a, a system that is going to work not only with them, but also make sure you're catching people off guard. And that's, I haven't seen that from ASU yet. Yeah, and I think that Emory Jones just needs to get more, like, comfortable in the pocket as well. But some, some court, another quarterback that has been absolutely fantastic is transfer, that transferred to USC. We're getting into USC now, Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had a fantastic <coughs> season, and no, no one can doubt that. He, he's thrown no interceptions yet. He, he's, 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 uh, like, he's not, like, I'm trying to think of the right word, but yeah. he's not, he's proven all the doubters wrong, you know, because people thought he was not going to be as good. But the big headline about him is that he is now second in the Heisman race mm-hmm. with a plus 300 in Vegas and all the sports books out there. So, like, do you think it's too early to decide if he's the Heisman just right, or are there others that should be in front of him? Well, you know, we see this every year, right? Mm-hmm. Guy has a couple good weeks, and he's on top of the Heisman. And then he has throws a couple picks, and then, oh, well, season's over. Yeah, exactly. And that's just – and it's different – feeling with college than the NFL that everything is so ramped up in college because you lose a game in college it can change your whole season mm-hmm. but I like what I've seen from uh, Caleb Williams so far I think the system around him right now at SC is very geared toward his play style yeah, and the transfers they and the transfers they've brought in too and what I've seen from SC and they're ranked number seven for a reason Mm-hmm. Right, they're they're a good football team. Yeah, and I think seven is just right. People are saying five. Some people are already saying four. I think that's just unbelievable. I think seven is just right. And I've I've said it multiple times with SC. I've watched. I just need to see a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I like what I see from SC. Right. Yeah. But this is also you know I said it last week too. This is a, this is a team that didn't make a bowl game. Absolutely. But, you yeah. know, saying that doesn't you know I'm not downplaying what they've done so far. Mm-hmm. If a guy like Caleb Williams can keep it up, then I see no reason that in however long down the road in November and December that USC could be playing for a Pac-12 championship and that Caleb Williams could be, you know, in the Heisman race and sitting mm-hmm. on the stage, right? And so it's just – it's hard to tell right now, but, I've you know, people are very impressed with the way SC has been playing. Yeah, uh, I think all USC fans are impressed because, like, they have – They've been 2-0 before, but they haven't put up as much points as before. But honestly, I don't I don't think second in the Heisman race is – I think that there should be others in front because even though Bryce Young had a shaky game against Texas, I think he should still be second. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had to rank those three quarterbacks between C.J., Bryce, and Caleb, I would put Caleb third, C.J. Stroud first, and Bryce second, you know? Yeah, it's – it's a it's the yeah. long it's the long debate of who mm-hmm. and people think that you know who should be in who should be out I you know should a guy like Stetson Bennett from Georgia mm-hmm. be in the discussion but has he done enough 
yeah, right? And so exactly. I think once we get into week six and week seven we'll, we'll of, find, of we, this year. We'll, like we as fans and journalists will finally know. And yeah. we'll, we'll find out who's who. And if SC is still 7-8-0 at that point and Caleb Williams has been mm-hmm. thrown for 300, 400 yards every game, then we'll know what he's all, then we'll know what he's all about, right? Yeah. But right now it's it's encouraging, but for SC they just don't want to get too far ahead of themselves, especially yeah. playing a, a pretty decent team in Fresno State this yeah, week. Yeah, absolutely. It is a decent team. But like o- other than Caleb Williams and that the offense is exploding, the defense needs some work and they have like decommits, commits everywhere, boost in recruiting. There isn't much going on with USC. But Let's move into a team that had lost to Florida week one, which was Utah, and they had an interesting week last week. They dropped down a spot from 13 to 14 after beating an opponent 73 to 7 last week. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. That's like the ASU U of A game a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, what are what are your overall thoughts? It's kind of, it's kind of interesting that they dropped down one. It is interesting. It's it's almost disrespectful right now, right? It's Utah's still a very good ball club. And I think people need to remember that Utah's a very good ball club. Mm-hmm. And just because you lose a close game to a good Florida team, and, you know, but it, to play devil's advocate, it was a very crazy week of college football last week. Yeah, absolutely. And Utah played Southern Utah. So they played a, a subdivision opponent, mm-hmm. and they got jumped by Miami. Yeah. Right? And so the way, you know, those those rankings – kind of work is that you kind of decide who should be you know is utah worthy of number 13th the 13th best team in the country yeah how many teams are better than utah right and you just kind of go down the list of how many teams are better than usc how many teams are better than than oregon right yeah absolutely but i do think it's unfair to a team like utah who has shown how much they can do and like we said you know a little bit before they totally manhandled Southern Utah. Yeah. And granted, it's an FCS opponent. Yeah. But it also shows how good Utah can be uh, when everything is clicking. And you can score 70 points in a game. You can score 10 touchdowns and then add a field goal line. Yeah. And so I think it's only time will tell for Utah. But I think if you're Utah, you just you have to keep your head down of, okay, they don't think that we're worthy of being up a spot. Then let's keep winning. Yeah. Let's keep beating good teams. And I think that's the exact mentality they have. But I think it's in a way disrespectful because, like, you know, it's like in, when you're in the A people, it's kind of it's kind of like when you have to, like, make sure that your teams above you lose, which is how you rank up in the spots. But if you beat a team so bad, that usually puts you up a couple spots. So I think that it's pretty disrespectful, in my opinion, that they're not – giving respect to Utah after losing to an SEC school. And obviously we all know that, or we as fans know that the SEC dominates over college football. Yeah. But the more interesting headline is their matchup, they're playing San Diego State this week, right? But they did, uh, Utah did lose to San Diego State last year. So do you think San Diego State can surprise the Utes in Salt Lake City? It's going to be hard to, you know, beat them in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Rice-Eccles Stadium is a very tough place to play. Yeah. They have a good – that student section is very good. The atmosphere, the atmosphere is atmosphere, unbelievable. The, alti- the altitude, the weather. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure what the weather would be like in Salt Lake City in, on Saturday. But it's kind of a, you know, 
I don't see it maybe as a revenge game, so to speak, but they lost in three overtimes last year yeah. to this San Diego State team. San Diego State team that's shown good potential. Uh, they lost to Arizona in week one. But, you know, it's going to be a good test for Utah. You know, you know, because San Diego State was in a very similar position they were uh, this week or this week last year, mm-hmm. right? They were one and one. Utah was one and one, and so they're going in with the same, you know, same record as they went to the game last year. And San Diego State came out fighting, and they came out and they they shocked Utah, yeah, and knocked Utah out almost out of the rankings. Yeah, and Utah dropped to twenty five after that game, but I think Utah has a pretty good chance of. Of taking, we'll talk about predictions later, but you know, for Utah, it's the same thing I was saying before. Just keep your head down and and just don't let. If you're Utah, just don't let San Diego State jump on you, mm-hmm. because then. But being at home, being at being in Salt Lake, I have a I have a pretty good feeling about Utah. Yeah, like my personal opinion is kind of like so they played each other, they played each other last year, obviously, and they they know how each other already play, you know. But the experience has gained up one level since it's an additional year. So, mm-hmm. and like you said, it took three overtimes for San Diego State to beat Utah. So, I personally don't think that's going to happen again because Cam Rising's only got Cam Rising has only gotten better. The offense as a whole gotten better, even though they lost a couple guys. The defense is still aggressive. Lose after losing Devin Lloyd, it's like we we can talk about Utah all we want, but. I think they're still just going to be the same team, and they're just going to hum- humiliate them. I fully know? expect them to. Yeah. So, but a school that was humiliated in week one though was Oregon, and we can, and we talked about Oregon in the past, but like they play BYU this week, and obviously BYU is two and zero. Oregon's one and one, right? So, can Oregon as a whole like perform similarly as last week and match BYU's defense? Because, like I just mentioned. Last time they faced a ranked opponent, which was Georgia, they were humiliated forty nine three. Yeah, and I think that game's definitely behind Oregon. Not maybe out of their minds, but mm-hmm. you know, it's in the past. Right? But you're going to be facing a very, very good BYU team. Let's not forget BYU took out Baylor, n- number nine Baylor, yeah, just last week. Mm-hmm. And so BYU has a lot on the line. So I expect BYU to come out swinging, but it is at Austin Stadium in Eugene, another very tough place to play not just in the Pac-12 but in college football yeah but BYU's defense has been stout already this year mm-hmm. you know they're number 12 in the country for a reason yeah and but so I think Oregon's gonna have a good test on their hands when they play BYU mm-hmm. and in terms of you know what I expect from Oregon is you know same thing as I said last week you know can you keep the motor running you know how far can, do you think you can get with BYU, BYU is going to fight, whether they're whether or not they're on at home on the road, you know they have the ability to be very very good teams. Mm-hmm. And we've already seen what happened to Oregon when they played a dominant team in Georgia, you know unprepared, right? So yeah. for Oregon, I think it's just making sure everything's clicking. I know Oregon won last week against was it Eastern Washington? Yeah, like. You know, and their and their offense went off, but you're going to be facing a good test. Yeah, you're going to be week. facing a much better defense. But yeah, like you said, I think they're more prepared because obviously week one it's kind of shaky start. But like after those that win and that loss, I think Oregon is completely prepared. But like for me, I would say that BYU still comes out with this because even though it's at 
Oregon, like BYU knows how to play away, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's like personally we'll get into this later, but I personally think that like it's going to be it's going to be a sh- it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a close shootout between these two schools. Like and most college games are usually, you know. I fully expect this game to be a shootout. It's going to mm-hmm. be very I expect this to be very very close. You know. I and if, if you're Oregon, you just try to get you know, like a lot of teams, you just try to get out in front of BYU. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't no trailing, no you know, whatever it might be. You just have to yeah. get out in front of them. But being at home and having that advantage definitely works in uh, Oregon's favor. And so mm-hmm. I think Oregon probably will have that, uh, not a better chance, but they'll have the advantage of having the home crowd behind them. You know, people don't realize how much that helps. Yeah. So, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do and how – and just I'm excited to see BYU as well because BYU is look very promising. And so this would be a good test to see if BYU is for real. And going on the scene, going on the road to Eugene, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a good test, and a good game, twelve thirty kickoff. So yeah, I, I think it's definitely gonna be like you know they obviously have college game day and they talk about like all the schools and everything, but this this Oregon BYU matchup is definitely a matchup that everyone should like should watch. It's a must watch game, right? But also, what's a must watch game is Cal. Mm-hmm. Cal plays Notre Dame, and by surprise, Notre Dame is zero and two, and California is two and zero. Yeah. So it's a, it's it's a weird a weird switch. So, like we talked about this when we are pre like when we are kind of reviewing the notes, etc. Like, is this the true first challenge for Cal football this year against Notre Dame, and like our is Cal ready to face on this face on this team? Well, that's the test, right? That's the mm-hmm. that's the big question. Is Cal ready? And I don't think it's more about Cal because Cal really hasn't shown anything yet. You, know, you 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 know beat up UC Davis uh, subdivision phone and you barely squeak out a win against UNLV. Mm-hmm. But you are two and zero, and you're going up against a, a I'd say right now a very a struggling Notre Dame team. You know who lost to uh, the the Fighting Green last week, All right? Marshall. Yeah. And so it's we uh, are Marshall. We are Marshall. And yeah. Marshall. Marshall showed up into Notre Dame Stadium, legendary Notre Dame Stadium, and took him out pretty handedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to be a good test for Cal just to see where they are. Yeah. You know, even if even if you lose the game, Notre Dame's still a pretty good ball club. Yeah. You know, don't they don't just made a couple mistakes that like. D- kind of screwed up their season you know you know don't sleep on notre dame yet mm-hmm. right but also don't sleep on cal it's going to be interesting to see i think the question for me is you know on the road in hostile environment you know what is the game plan mm-hmm. right is it you know because cal is a very good i've seen a very good run defense from cal yeah so far this year and so can cal be stout on that run game because notre dame's a team that is going to have to start depending on their run game Mm-hmm. You know, passing isn't working for them. They're a big turnover uh, margin for Notre Dame so far. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Cal handles that. And it's a lot of pressure playing Notre Dame. So be a good another good test for a, a Pac-12 team on the rise. Yeah, uh, exactly. And you, like, probably hit all the points, but I want to add another thing is I feel like that Cal, they're just going to, like, go into the match like they did the previous two matches, you know. 
mm-hmm. because like it's like hey if this strategy is working yeah then if it's if it's not or whatever the saying is if it's not broke then or if it's not broke then don't fix it or something or mm-hmm. whatever that saying is i can't think of it in the top <laughs> of my head yeah but like you you didn't dominate over those two teams but you won and cal is like a one win team usually you know so i think you just have to go in the same mindset and i also think cal is pumped up too and like motivated to win against this game because the coach the head coach for cal i um he said he said in an interview he says we play well enough to win but not near where we're capable of playing like it's kind of like they're i feel like they're more pumped up now you know just kind of getting into it well i've seen a lot of people talk about oh is their couch is their coach outing them mm-hmm. i don't think it's outing i think it's can they play to their potential yeah is cal up to the challenge and i think one thing more i'll add about the environment and people don't realize how big of an environment is at notre dame is yeah it's very very intimidating to play at notre dame stadium mm-hmm. that's a that's a you talk about hostile environments yeah it, that's like what, it doesn't it, get more hostile than notre it's, dame it's what like Notre Dame, Michigan, like we're going out of conference here, but Michigan, yeah. Oregon, which is in our conference, like those are probably like some of the worst places to play. Right. So when you talk about, and I think for Cal, the most important thing is just blocking out the stadium. Mm-hmm. You're going to walk in, you're going to see the the fighting Irish, the fighting Irish, the fans, the yeah. the basilica outside the stadium. I mean, yeah. Notre Dame is famous for a lot of things. Yeah. But when you walk into that stadium, like, like Marshall did, I'm just blocking everything out. Yeah, you'll go to walkthroughs today, and you'll see the stadium, and you can look around. You can take pictures and post it on your Instagram story. Look where we are at Notre Dame, the legendary Notre Dame. It's like, oh my goodness, we're at Notre Dame. But once you put on the pads, you just got it's it's, it's go time. It's hard nosed football. Yeah, exactly. that'll be interesting to see because a lot of teams struggle with that. And but I think uh, Marshall's a good example of blocking that out. Mm-hmm. And let's see what happens. I think it'll be a close game. We'll get into predictions, but later, but. It's going to be a closer game than people think. Yeah. Uh, Cal's going to put up a good fight. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, our last Cal topic, is, which is pretty interesting because it's not a quarterback. It's rather a running back. Jaden Ott has won back-to-back Pac-12 Freshman of the Week awards, and his and his 156 rush yards are fifth most among FPS true freshmen this season. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm purely surprised that it's not the quarterback being recognized because you know cal's had aaron Rodgers, jared goff and many others mm-hmm. but like i mean this is a freshman you know this this can be your future so like like ej smith we'll get into him later for stanford is he the future for cal or is it kind of too early to predict well it's always too early to predict now with college football you guys go on the transfer portal if you get a a better deal at SEC school, then you're playing for Florida next year. Yeah, exactly. But if Cal can create a good system around him, I mean, we've already mm-hmm. he's already shown he can be a very effective running back. You know, he's has 156 rushing yards. He's fifth against most against FBS true freshmen already this year, right? So he's putting up the numbers. But if Cal can set up a good system around him, and start winning ball games. That's why I think this Notre Dame's game is going to be a lot bigger than people think. Yeah, especially for a, a Cal team that. Maybe they don't need it. Like, no one, like, maybe Cal doesn't need this to save their season, right? Yeah. But it's going to be a good, just set in stone, here we are kind of game. Yeah. And it's going to be a good test for Jade not to, 
be on a big stage and we play on NBC, the, the mm-hmm. network that Notre Dame is broadcasted on every week. So yeah. the world's going to be able to see you. A lot of people watch Notre Dame football, and a lot of people watch Cal football. A lot of yeah. a lot of alumni. So you know it's going to be a good test for him to play with the play with the the <laughs> the powerhouses. Yeah, definitely. And if Jaden Ott plays well and and Cal like they're they're considered the upsets, but not at the same time because Notre Dame is probably expected to win, yeah. right? So, but if like Cal does all those things, you know, like. People might need to reconsider Cal as a decent program because they're not great yet because mm-hmm. of la- the last couple seasons. Right. And, you know, betting is so huge in college football and uh, professional football. S- some people might need to place a new bet on Cal. Like yeah, the over-under or on their record or, like, games that they need to look out for. You're like, you never know. No, this will be a good, like I was saying before, it would be a good standard game for Cal. Mm-hmm. And. I think Cal is also sending a message to the Pac-12. We're here, you know. We are here. If you beat Notre Dame, you know. And if Notre Dame, I think there's a lot more pressure on Notre Dame right now. Mm-hmm. You need to get a win under your belt. You've lost three, two straight to uh, teams that they probably think they should have beaten. Mm-hmm. Close game to close game to Ohio State, and then taking one on the chin from uh, Marshall. So I think Notre Dame, it's gonna Notre Dame's gonna come out. I wouldn't say worried or scared but i think it's a good opportunity for cal to really jump on a team that needs a win and sometimes those are the most desperate teams and the teams that come in loose and the teams that come in well, i wouldn't say without a care in the world but you know a team that's coming in with uh really no expectations and i think that's what cal that's where cal is right now yeah it's going to be a team that's going to surprise a lot of people so just watch out for cal it's going to be a fun game to watch yeah exactly and let's move on to our next pac-12 school that uh washington they have a big matchup coming up so and it's against Michigan State, both two and zero. Washington's not ranked yet. Michigan State is at eleven. So like the two main things with Washington is does does Washington dominate the turnover battle and take advantage, and could Washington move to three and zero since Michigan State has not won a game since 1957 against a Pac-12 school on the road? Well, it's like the that's a that's a really funny stat that. Michigan State hasn't uh, yeah. taken out of school. I think uh, just a few years ago, Michigan State came to Tempe and played Arizona State mm-hmm. in, a very, in, a, in a back and forth game at Sunnyvale Stadium. I think Arizona State ended up taking that game in either 2019 or 2018. Yeah, but uh, for Washington now, it's like like you were saying, can they take? Can they win that turnover battle? And it's also can you not just win the turnover battle, but dominating the turnover battle? So if Michigan State has three picks. You better have no picks. Yeah, three extra possessions. Like, there's no giving the ball back to Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State has a really good quarterback in Peyton Thorne, and they got a good receiving core and a really good defense because it's coached by Mel Tucker. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see. You know, Michigan State is, you know, everyone knows about the program, but you're going into Washington, another tough place to play. Yeah, they're in outside of Seattle, Mm -hmm. so it'll be, you know, I think Michigan State really showed their their armor against Akron. You know, no pun intended, the Spartans, but they really showed their armor against Akron, fifty-two nothing. Yeah, you know everything was working at a pretty consistent pace for Michigan State, and so I think the big question for me is that if you're Washington, can you? I wouldn't say stop the bleeding, but can you just slow them down enough mm-hmm. that you start you start making them think in those possessions, that you start making them make bad decisions, start, yeah. and that's when you get turnovers, and that's when you get the 
the back and forth. So I think for Washington, just keep it a close game and just see what happens. Yeah. Like, uh, with Washington, in my opinion, and what I've seen is I think they will go 3-0 and against Michigan State because of that stat. Um, I th- And I think that Washington could be a dark horse in the Pac-12. And also, like, Michael Penix, the quarterback for Washington, is having a much better year than Peyton Thorne. Peyton mm-hmm. Thorne has six touchdowns and, like, four interceptions, I think. So I think if you just get – if you – if you get pressure to Peyton Thorne, you let him float that ball in the air, you intercept the ball, and Michael Penix can lead the offense to victory, I think it's I think it's no problem for Washington and this is this can be an easy win. Yeah. And so the last thing I'll say on Washington right now is that mm-hmm. you just you just gotta stay consistent of especially a, a team yeah. like Michigan State, who's very well coached. You know, we all know the track record of Mel Tucker. Yeah. And so you know, Mel's gonna have them ready to play. And I think the question, anytime you play Michigan State, if Michigan State, you know, in the Big Ten, they're a very, yeah. you know, if you can keep them kind of at bay with their offense, yeah. if you can keep them to maybe, you know, who knows. If, you know, Arizona State played Michigan State in 2019, and they won the game 10-7. to 7. Yeah. And so the big question for me is going to be more about their defense because Michigan State and, you know, Big Ten football just in general is a lot of slam passes, a lot of small ball. Yeah, and, can and a lot s- of running too. And so can you disrupt? can you disrupt small ball? And if you can and force Michigan State into and just like into the game of chess, that's when you start getting the turnovers, and that's when you can start taking advantage of opportunities. But Mich- but Washington has to start forcing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, like like you said, Mel Tucker and the and the offense defense is all great. But like I think as wa- like as a team like Washington, the thing they need to look out for is like you don't want Michigan to pull away. You know, because Michigan State, Michigan are like those teams are much like that. You know, they if they get like a 21 point lead, they'll keep on pushing it on until like the fourth quarter and then they'll put in their backups, you know. Yeah. So, like, I think that's the only thing you need to watch out. Like if you're watching Washington is you need to stay in the game. Well, Washington saw that last year. Mm -hmm. They played Michigan and and it was over pretty fast. Yeah, because Michigan came out. And said, okay, well now we're gonna, we're just gonna push the tempo, and Washington didn't score until maybe the third or fourth quarter. Yeah, exactly. but granted, Washington held Michigan in that game to ten points in the in the first half. It That's was later in the game that Michigan started running away. Mm-hmm. So the question for me is that, you know, it's it's a pretty consistent base, but you know, holding a team like a good team like Michigan to only ten points, but you got to keep it going. We gotta, you gotta answer, you know, and if you can have it. 10 to 10 at halftime gave yourself a chance then mm-hmm. then you know who knows right and that's just the the question mark going to this game but you know washington's gonna have a lot to play for and say so, you know it's like like everyone in the pac-12 right now pac-12 is a big question mark right now with all its teams and Absolutely. so at 2-0 the door is wide open for you mm-hmm. and so your possibilities right now and your chances of competing winning are just as good as usc's or utah's or anyone that's 2-0 right now Mm-hmm. Or I guess Utah's one and one, but yeah, yeah well, it's you know I'm splitting hairs, but it's, you know it's just you know see I'll be excited to see how Washington handles it though. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, moving on to our next Pac-12 team is Stanford, who played USC last week. They put up 28 points, which is good, but we obviously saw a fumbling problem from EJ Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
which was very, which is a very scary sight to see if you're a Stanford fan, right? So I think that, like, that needs to be worked on, and it's probably already worked on, by, by David Shaw since he's really good at that. He always produces good running backs, but the big question is, you know, Stanford's offensive play style is very unique. You know, it's mm-hmm. usually not under center. Quarterback hikes it. They hold the ball until a gap opens, and then mm-hmm. they hand the ball off or throw the ball. You know, so do you think like, do you think more offenses in like the whole college atmosphere? Do you think they should like take their play style and possibly use it? Yeah, you know, Stanford runs an interesting offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously through EJ Smith and and their quarterback, but you know their play style is you know very unique, and I think mm-hmm. we see it that it's you know it's kind of one-dimensional yeah but it works on so many levels exactly and so you look at it and you're like oh okay well they're scoring 28 points a game yeah but it's so run heavy and it's so you know and pass heavy at times they have a very good quarterback but you know it kind of takes away from the defensive side of it that you're so you know mentally focused on the uh, offensive side that you know sometimes then you forget that you're you're giving up how many points and you're giving up 50 points points to USC mm-hmm. and so you can score um, you know as many points as you want but at, yeah, at some point you have to start you know answering that call and so if Stanford can find the balance of well we're scoring 20 points a game but then we're only holding guys to, to 17 points yeah right so if Stanford can find that but I think their system is good I just if you can just tweak it a little bit to kind of you know just be in your favor then then you know who knows, right? But Stanford has good potential. You know, we've already seen them from their offense. You know, they are they have that that's just, that system is set up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I completely agree. I think it it should. I think offenses in the whole college atmosphere should use it more. Is because before EJ Smith started fumbling all the time, you know, he was averaging ten yards per carry, which is very hard to do. Like, and it was like in the first half, like it was like in the. Like, there was some stat line. It's like, oh, he had so many yards. He was averaging 10 yards a carry. And I think that he was averaging that much is because the system they run. Obviously, after his fumbles, after his, like, after SC started to figure him out, then the average of rushing yards kind of, like, went down, Mm -hmm. you know. But I think it should should be used, you know. Absolutely. And, Mm -hmm. you know, last thing I'll kind of say on that is that you know, Stanford runs a yeah. a very, you know, heavy set system. And yeah. that it's heavy set because it's it feels like I was saying, it feels one dimensional because of the of the, the amount of points they give up. But mm-hmm. it's a good system you know, it's but Stanford's found a way to <laughs> make it work for them. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's so so if you so a team like Stanford that can consistently, you know, have that not only, you know, be on top of their game, but also just making sure you're, you know, you're sound. And Stanford's always been very good at being disciplined in fundamentals, and so, you know, Stanford s- sets a sets up a mm-hmm. good system for themselves. So, be interesting to see. Yeah, what was also interesting to see last week though was the Washington State upset Wisconsin with the final score of seventeen to fourteen. Yeah, very surprising. Our good friend Jake Brown, uh, he he's a big Wazoo fan. But, like, the main question is, like, do you think they can keep the energy alive? And could they upset more opponents? 
you with, know, the, with their schedule. Yeah, and their their schedules were you know pulling it up right now, but you know Washington State is a very sneaky ball club, mm-hmm. and you know they'll play Colorado State tomorrow. Yeah, and so which is I I think Washington State's going to win that game. You know, a game that they should win, right? Yeah. A game that you should go out and dominate, especially after beating a very good Wisconsin team. It's not just that they beat Wisconsin; mm-hmm. is that you beat them in uh, at Wisconsin. Yeah, you beat them that in Madison. Huge. And playing that same is very tough. You know, they got they yeah. got jump arounds on the uh, the student section. Everyone's jumping. The stadium is shaking. Yeah. And so, but Washington State kept themselves very sound. And mm-hmm. you know, when you play a Big Ten team, you know, a lot of those Big Ten teams are very similar in the fact that they have you know their run styles and their offensive styles are very similar to each other Mm -hmm. and you know wisconsin's the same way you know wisconsin only wisconsin's only scoring how many points again yeah like it's it's kind of it's kind of like under what they're expected to do honestly in my opinion and so for wisconsin it's you know they especially for washington state in that standpoint that they went out and just stayed with them mm-hmm. you know can you just can you maybe not i don't i don't know if hold on is the right word for it but just stay with them and punch and answer and if you don't get a good drive you just you go and stop them on in yeah. defense right exactly and so it's that answering part of washington state that i really liked and the huge turnover at the end of the game mm-hmm. and it was a crazy play i'm not you know for everyone that watched it it was a. Uh, they picked it off, but then it was fumbled, and so yeah. Wisconsin got the ball back. But then two plays later, Washington State forced another fumble and yep. got the ball. Yep. Right, and so it's so Washington State has that mentality of, of put it beside you, it's all right, and just and be ready to play the next play. Exactly. And I think that's going to help Washington State later in the year if they can pull off a few more wins, get nationally ranked, and then you start yeah. playing some good teams, very good teams in the Pac-12 North, and so. I was very impressed with Washington State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Personally, I think they can keep the energy alive, but, like, I don't know if it's going to last forever, and I don't know if, if they're going to be ranked because they do have tough opponents coming up. They do. Yeah. So let's jump into our last segment, Pac-12 games this week. So obviously there's the matches like ASU versus Eastern Michigan. I think we both – I think fans all around the world – think asu i don't know about you mm-hmm. yeah it's mm-hmm. i expect asu to come out and dominate this game yeah absolutely but games like washington state versus colorado state easy money matchup right mm-hmm. oregon state versus montana state easy money for oregon state uh and then we got two other matchups u of a against north dakota state i think u of a is winning that game and then ucla versus south alabama i think ucla is going to win that yeah, and you know, we'll go down the line here. Mm-hmm. And first game kind of preview is you know Fresno State at USC. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. You know, USC is you know Fresno State's kind of yeah. s- sneaky. So if I think big thing for USC, I have I do have USC winning that game. Yeah, pretty pretty handedly. Yeah, I, I have I have them winning too, but we we like we as fans and journalists and spectators of college football need to remember. Fresno State upset UCLA at the Rose Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. And that was an unbelievable, I mean, unbelievable game to watch. You know, even just watching highlights, it's like, how did UCLA lose this game? Yeah. Right? So I think USC has to be careful 
that it's like, hey, we're up 56 nothing on this throwing a random number out there, right? Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that Fresno State is not in this ball game. Yeah, know? and so for Fresno State, it's the same mentality you went into um, the Rose Bowl with. I've just play loose. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be dangerous for USC. If you can, you know, if they can force a couple of turnovers, force a couple of bad passes, yeah. then who knows? You know, if you're tied at halftime or it's close, yeah. and you give them any fighting shot, then, you know, it could be dangerous. But I think mm-hmm. for USC, just stay the course, right? It's just, you know, they're a very headstrong ball club. Lincoln Riley has a good, good, good offense, good offense set up right now. And so yeah. I expect USC to roll through that game. Yeah, and I think the second biggest matchup we have on on the Pac-12 slate is BYU versus Oregon. We talked about it before, but like, what's your overall prediction? Yeah, this is tough. It's uh, but Oregon at home. Yeah. In Austin. Yeah. It's 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 hard to beat. Yeah. But it's gonna be a close game. It's gonna be closer than people think. I think it's probably coming down to a field goal. Yeah. If not the last couple plays of the game. I think it's gonna come down to a touchdown, honestly. And so, but I do have. Oregon, yeah, just edging out BYU for this game. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the opposite. I think this Jaron Hall is going to win the quarterback battle over Bo, Bo Nix, like we saw it last week against Baylor. Mm-hmm. So I think that BYU is just going to win it because I feel like that their defense and the like team overall is a little better, right. and I think the number twelve rank is like the right fitting, you know. Mm-hmm. So now let's move on to our like probably third best matchup. You know, some some teams are still playing cupcake teams, like as we mentioned before. But like Michigan State versus at Washington, we talked about this like when in our Washington segment. So it, I think this is probably the toughest to pre- toughest to predict. Yeah, and it's hard to tell, obviously. But I do have Michigan State pulling this one out in mm-hmm. in uh, Seattle. It's just going to be it's Michigan State just has a good offense set up right now yeah and washington's still kind of figuring figuring everything out and so but obviously watch out for washington Mm -hmm. you know staying out but i do think at the end of the day michigan state is just too much yeah it'll be too much for washington and so i do have michigan state pulling away yeah it's i i always found this matchup very interesting when i was like looking at the week three schedule i'm like man this is a very this is a very weird matchup between like between these two teams, you know, like who decided five years before to say, "Hey, this matchup is gonna work out," you know? Yeah. But honestly, I think that it's gonna all come down to two quarterbacks, Penix and and Thorn. Mm-hmm. Those two, obviously, the s- surrounding pieces together yeah. of those two quarterbacks. I s- I say Mi- Michigan State beats their streak. Uh, and they're going to win against Washington because, you know, you're ranked 11th in the country and you lose to an unranked team. Just imagine how, like, bad you'll feel. Right. Like, you'll feel, did we just really lose to an unranked team? Like, like I think they have the mindset is, you know, we're going to kill these guys. We're going to do whatever. We're going to do whatever it takes to dominate Yeah. these guys. Well, I think Mel Tucker is going to go into the game and just say, look, it's – yeah. Play like us. Don't worry about you know atmosphere. They got the the purple smoke coming out of the mm-hmm. the intro. They have a pretty cool you know intro segment whatever. But yeah. just stay that course and just make sure we're 100 percent ready. And I think they will be another game that will 
get into another sneaky game that we were talking before, San Diego State at Utah. Yeah. This is a very good That's matchup. Interesting. And they're both one and one. Yep. So it's kind of like, hey, who gets their second win? Yeah, and I think, but at the end of the day, you know, San Diego State's sneaky, but I don't think sneaky enough to get past Utah. Yeah. So I have Utah uh, win this one pretty big. I guess. Yeah, and like you said, it's in Salt Lake City. Yeah. So that, and that proves so much that it's kind of like, you know, Utah is going to take all their pride at home and defeat these guys like and it's not going to be as bad as like 73 to 7 but it's going to it's going to be like high scoring on the other than like low scoring on the other sure or on the other team i should say Mm -hmm. um but honestly like we talked about this obviously before but california at notre dame like what's like we talked about all the news about cal but like what's the what's the prediction you know yeah and it's tough again i know we're talking about a struggling Notre Dame team, right? Yeah. And so finding their way and trying to find their way yeah. and kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now. Uh-huh. You're 0-2, but you are playing at home. Yeah. But for a team like Cal, you know, it's you know, proving yourself. And yeah. But I just don't think Cal has proven enough to beat Notre Dame. Yeah. And maybe they come out and maybe they – Maybe they upset again. And maybe they start fast and they upset and they do this and that, which would be, you know, you know – uh, who knows? Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, end of the day, Notre Dame is ready to win a game, and mm-hmm. they need to win a game right now. Yeah. So they're going to come out aggressive. They're going to come out ready, and it's just I think it's just going to be a little too much for um, Cal. Cal to handle. So I have Notre Dame pulling this one away in South Bend. Yeah, I, I I have Notre Dame as well in this game because I think that the whole Notre Dame football team is sick and tired of you know Marcus yeah. Freeman needs to be fired. Yeah. They're the most overrated team in college football right now. You know, I think they're sick of it, and they're going to, like, prove everyone wrong. Yeah, I fully expect them to. Yeah, and our last matchup, which is very interesting, like the Michigan State-Washington one, but it's Colorado at Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Personally, I have Minnesota winning this in a landslide. One's 2-0. The other's 0-2, which is Colorado. And the thing about Minnesota is this, is that they've always had – they've always had – Good linebackers and good receivers. Yeah. Minnesota has, you know. So I think that's going to take full advantage, and they're going to use use that as an advantage over Colorado. And I have this Minnesota blowing them out. Yeah, it's yeah. it's for Colorado right now. I think it's the mentality of mm-hmm. you know it's you know especially after losing to Air Force. Yeah, by so much. Exactly. It's it's not even. I don't think it's even playing loose right now. It's just trying to get back yeah, on track. Yeah, trying to get back in the field things. You know. But I don't think. I think Minnesota sees that very well. Yeah, they're gonna read. I think they're gonna read them like a book. Yeah, and I have Minnesota pulling away big too. And uh, Colorado just has to find their way right now. And yeah, you know this might be a good test. And I think they try to keep it close, but Minnesota is just too good. Yeah. So and our and our last thing is since you and I both go here at Arizona State, and we all like the fans, the journalists all know that. ASU's probably going to win. But exactly what do you think is going to happen? Like, what do, what do you think is going to happen? Is Emory Jones going to go off or X is going to go off or the defense is going to get back into week one again, you know? I like, think I think it'll just be a good reminder for ASU, mm-hmm. right? It'll be just getting back on track. But I think they showed a lot against a good Oklahoma State team, like I was saying before. But yeah. if you're ASU, it's now it's about – can we keep it consistent? 
of can we keep these drives going? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we answer back? I'm not saying we we shut out Eastern Michigan. Yeah. Right. Eastern Michigan's gonna come in really with nothing to lose. Yeah. But I think it's a good time for ASU just to jump on them and jump on them quick and get a get a good lead going. I think the one thing yeah. they didn't do against um, NAU was really jump on them, and it took yeah. a while for ASU. Took into the second quarter for ASU really to start like to start scoring, get anything going. So I think it's going to be important to start early. Yeah, that's the thing for me. Start early, start early, start early. Yeah, is if you do that, then you can you can get in front of Eastern Michigan if they do try to get some going. If they do get a drive going, mm-hmm. well, you know it's and then you know guys like Kyle Soley, you know keeping that defense ready, and yeah. Merlin Robertson keeping your yeah. defense ready. The two captains of the team and keeping your and a lot of. You know, the penalties last week for ASU. Oh, yeah. It was the unbelievable. Unsportsmanlike conduct and the pass interference. Yeah. Uh, you have to limit it. You have to limit everything because, you know, after ASU plays them, uh, ASU goes into, you know, next week to play Utah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's not – nothing's going to slide when you play a those good, guys. Yeah, uh, those a good guys, team like a that. A good team like Utah, USC, you name it. So it's going to be interesting to see how ASU handles it. I think they mm-hmm. win pretty, uh, pretty heavily. But uh, what do you think? What are you looking for from ASU this week? Honestly, I think the defense is going to step up because it's it's an easy opponent. Um, I think X is going to have another 100-yard game. I think he's going to be a 1,000-yard running back. But I think this is the game right here that Emory Jones pops off mm-hmm. because we saw it in last year in Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels took a while to took a while to kind of have that game where he popped off, and that game was UCLA. Yeah. Right. I feel like there's always that one game where one one quarterback for ASU pops off and they have a great and then back to decent season. So yeah. I think this is the game that Emory Jones like does well. He has over he has over two fifty because I think he had like two thirty four. He had mm-hmm. less than two fifty under uh, against Oklahoma State. Right. But yeah, that's that's personally what I think. For Emory Jones, for me personally, I look to him to expand his game a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw him be a little indecisive against Oklahoma State. Yeah, of not really taking the, uh, not really taking the the handoff, or you know, not really, you know, you know, trying to force things. And you know, yeah. and Granny didn't have any turnovers against Oklahoma State. Yeah, which is That's you know, when you play a good team like Oklahoma State, it's hard to yeah. hard to do, but. The big thing for Emory right now is to, is just to keep, you know, keep the motor running. Of can mm-hmm. you stay consistent with your offense, and can you run, and can you expand your game? Because I think if ASU is going to do anything this year and try yeah. to, you know, do anything this year, Emory Jones has to get the passing game going. Yeah. And yeah. oh, go ahead. And yeah, and just you know, just help them, you know, help out his teammates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he can do that, and he can, you know. Like I was saying, stay the course and just get people involved. Yeah. Then, you know, who knows? You know, Arizona State could put up 70, 70 points if everything's working out. Yeah. And, like, my, la- my last remark on, like, the quarterback is that I I have to admit, I've never been in this situation before, obviously, because I'm not a D1 athlete. But, like, you have to admit when you're, the pocket is closing down, you get scared and panicked, you know? And we see that a lot in Emory Jones. So I think he just needs to like kind of realize, hey, <clears throat> not time to pa- panic. I need to find a hole through my visor, whatever, and I need to 
kind of find I have to find that hole and run through it, you know? Yeah. Cuz he's a he's a big he's a big guy. He's not as fast as Jaden, but he's still fast, you know? Right. And I think last thing I'll say on Emory before we uh we wrap up is that if Emory can, you know, I think it's be a good game to just work on his accuracy. Mm-hmm. You know, work on your work on your interior game, working on your work on your the you know, the game inside the game, right? Cuz if you do that, then then what happens? Then you're getting people involved. Then you're rush. Then you're running for, you know, the big, the big gains and big yards. And then you're, you know, getting guys like X Valaday involved. And mm-hmm. then you're finding your receivers. So I think it's a, it's going to be a, it's you know, it all comes into play, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and absolutely. So for Emory right now, I think it's just, and for the whole ASU team, it's just you know, yeah. find your, find your balance and find your image, because especially before you go into a game against Utah, where you're going to need everything you you got against that good team yeah absolutely and uh that was a great great last remark and uh you know amazing slate of football games for the pac-12 uh it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting week uh saturday of college football but uh that is it for our show packed up on blaze radio at blazeradioonline.com i've been kenji ito i'm jacob jones and we will see you next time This is gospel.